0: Good morning, everyone. Uh, alcohol, the Holy Spirit, singing in church or song worship, and submission. There's four great subjects to talk about this Sunday morning. Four subjects that I reckon tend to generate a fair amount of discussion and debate amongst Christians and within and between churches. One of the, I was going to say problems, but that's the wrong word. One one of the realities or one of the repercussions about reading and preaching through an entire book of the Bible, as we're doing with Ephesians at the moment, is that it means you can't avoid the more difficult bits. You, You can't duck the slightly uncomfortable issues, which is why, for example, we had to speak about sex two weeks ago. Incidentally, in terms of a safe place that I've been referring to, in terms of a safe space for those who want to talk further about what I said or what I didn't say, could I invite you, if you want that sort of safe space, to please speak to me personally and then for those who speak to me personally, I will arrange a safe space rather than just have an open meeting, so to speak. So if you want to have a safe space, you want to talk more about what I said or what I didn't say, speak to me personally. But today as we get back into Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to pick up from where we left off last week, the, the text that we're going to look at, and it's a short text, But it refers to, and it says something about all four subjects that are on the screen. Now, I think it's fair to say that most people have an opinion, or have opinions about all of the above. In fact, differing views on any one of those subjects has led to some churches splitting, and some people and some Christians falling out. And and that's not an exaggeration, but it is a complete tragedy. Some people do have strong views on alcohol. Strong views on the Holy Spirit. Strong views on singing in church and worship. I mean, worship wars do exist. Some people have strong views around the whole subject of submission. And so it is with a certain degree of trepidation and apprehension that I kind of venture into this territory. Although all I can do And all I must do is stick to the biblical text that's before me and attempt to discover what it might be saying about Christian life and living, about Christian discipleship. So before we read what the Bible actually says, let's remember that this is still part of a whole teaching section and block about what it means and what it looks like to live a life that's worthy of our calling. This teaching section started way back at the beginning of chapter four, started weeks back in this series. Remember, Paul spent the first three chapters of his letter clarifying Christian identity, confirming who the Christian saints in Ephesus were, who we are. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of God's immense and lavish and amazing grace, as Sarah has so helpfully reminded us about this morning. And so because of Jesus, and because of God's immense, amazing and lavish grace, we are saints, and we are chosen, and we are adopted, and we are children of God, and we are saved, and we are sealed, and we are forgiven, and we are redeemed, and we are God's workmanship. We are seated with Christ. We're raised up with Christ. All of those things is true because of Jesus and because of God's grace. And so as Paul begins the second half of the letter, he urges all of us to live in a manner worthy of our true identity, worthy of who we are. And so what he does from verse one of chapter four right through chapters four and chapters five is he tells us what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing, what we should be wearing, what we shouldn't be wearing, what we need to put on and what we need to take off. And so what we've been doing now for a number of weeks is we have been kind of compiling, if you like, a dress code. And as Sarah said at the start, please, if, if you weren't here last week, hear this. What I'm not trying to do is give you or share a catalog of do's and don'ts in order to earn God's favor or to avoid God coming down on you like a ton of bricks. This is about discovering the father's heart for his kids. The reason we're called to walk this way is because we belong. It's because we are sons and daughters of Almighty God. So Paul writes at the beginning of chapter 5, Imitate God as his dearly beloved children. Imitate God not to be his dearly beloved children, but because you are his dearly beloved children. And as children of a father who knows what's best for us, who wants what's best for us, he says, listen, here's what I want you to pursue. Here's what I want you to avoid. God tells us that if you do certain things, they're going to damage you. They're going to damage others. Whereas if you do other things, they're going to develop you. They're going to disciple you. Through doing these things, you'll discover life in all its fullness. So here's a list of what we're to take off. Here's a list of what not to wear. Lying, uncontrolled anger, unwholesome talk, stealing bitterness, rage, harsh words, slander, sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, taking part in unfruitful deeds, listening to empty words. And here's what to put on. I know that whole list wasn't on the screen. I didn't have room. But here's what we've to put on. Here's what we should wear. Here's what we should do. Speak truth. Do honest work. Be generous, be kind, be compassionate, be forgiving. Imitate God, walk in love, live as children of light, discern what pleases God and then do it. Be careful how you live, walk wisely, make the most of every opportunity. There's our dress code. What we shouldn't be wearing what we should be wearing. And remember, this taking off and putting on needs to occur and happen on a regular, ongoing basis, just like getting dressed and undressed does every single day. You don't, for example, take off harsh words and then never speak another aggressive word. You don't put on kindness today and then from here on in you only ever show kindness. No. Discipleship Growing in holiness, becoming more like Jesus is a process. You walk this out, you live this out on a daily basis, that means for, which means for some of us, we're here this morning, and we know and we recognize that during this week, we have put back on on Wholesome Talk. We maybe took it off a few weeks ago, but we stuck it back on again. put on kindness a few weeks ago. But you know something? We've been anything but kind in the past 24 hours. So each and every day we need to be working on what am I wearing? What should I not be wearing? This is discipleship. This is what it means to live out your true ID. This is what it means to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And so as we keep reading this text and keep thinking along these lines, we're gonna discover what else we should do and shouldn't do as God's holy people. So with all that by way of introduction, uh, do you wanna stand to your feet for the public reading of God's word? And I am am gonna start at verse 15 because it kind of makes sense to start there. Look carefully then, how you walk, not as on ways, but as wise. Make the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart." Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Grab a seat. So, do not get drunk on or with wine. It's pretty explicit. And as I said last week, in passing, that doesn't mean you can get drunk on anything else. OK? So if no, that's not cooler. There isn't a loophole, right? Now, it doesn't say, "Don't drink wine." And whether you should or shouldn't drink alcohol is not the issue here. And so I'm not about to launch into a discussion. I'm not saying the discussion is irrelevant or it's unimportant, but I am not about to launch into a discussion about whether Christians should drink or shouldn't drink. I've got to stick with the biblical text here. The biblical text is, do not get drunk on wine. It doesn't say do not drink wine. I fully appreciate for all kinds of reasons, for cultural reasons, for social reasons, for personal reasons, for family reasons, for health reasons, for religious reasons, that some people will choose not to drink that is your choice. But what is clear cut in Ephesians 5 and elsewhere in Scripture, so Romans 13, Galatians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, Luke 21, 1 Samuel 1, what is clear cut is that Christians should not get drunk. And based on the text, let me give you two reasons why they shouldn't. Why you shouldn't be wearing this if in any way you've started wearing it. And the first reason flows from what Paul has just said. It's why I started back in verse 15, because it flows. But here's the first reason. Paul has said, listen, you need to walk wisely. You need to be very careful about how you live. Not as the own ways but as wise. Or in the verse that we read, look carefully then how you walk not as on ways, but as ways. Wise. Walking wisely. Not just the name of next weekend. Walking wisely, and we thought about this last week. It means learning to live according to the wisdom of God. That's what it means to walk wisely. Learning to live according to the wisdom of God. And in scripture, and specifically in the Old Testament, we find and we can read wisdom literature that offers us and provides practical guidance on day-to-day life. And so when it comes to the issue of alcohol, it's not surprising to discover that the book of Proverbs, the ultimate book of wisdom, which is packed with wine as advice for life, it talks about alcohol. And so for example, Proverbs 20 verse one says, wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler, Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Or in chapter 23, long quote, chapter 23 of Proverbs, it describes the danger of not containing your drinking levels. Who has woe? Who has sorrow, says the wisdom writer? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and it poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I won't feel it. And when will I wake up so that I can find another drink? So scripture is really clear. It's really explicit that getting drunk is unwise. It is foolish. And there's actually very few people would argue with this. But you see, for a Christian to get drunk, it's just downright stupid. And it's stupid. Second reason, so it's... You need to walk wisely, says Paul. Second reason that you should not get drunk is because that is or that leads to debauchery. Great word, great word. How many people have used the word debauchery this week? None of us, right? But the New Living Translation simply says, you see, getting drunk, it's just gonna ruin your life. How many lives have been ruined in a drunken moment? We've plenty of evidence of that all around us. How many lives have been ruined in a drunken moment? How many lives are ruined where drunkenness has become a lifestyle choice? You see, the word debauchery, what debauchery actually means is devoid of virtue or wasteful. And according to God's word, getting drunk is devoid of virtue. It is wasteful. Christians should not be people under the influence, excessive influence of alcohol. They should be under another influence, which we'll come to in a moment. But for Christians, for God's holy people, for his saints, Paul says, don't go there. Do not get drunk with wine. Take it off. Take it off. But here's what I want you to put on instead. You should fill up with something else, or rather you should fill up with someone else. Christians should be people under the influence, but instead of being drunk with wine, they should be, we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit in their lives. Every single Christian. He inhabits, he indwells. The moment... We receive Christ the moment we come to faith, the minute we start following Jesus, the moment we become a saint, the moment we're born again, whatever term you want to use. You receive at that moment, at that time, at that point, in that, you receive the Holy Spirit. Back in chapter one, we, we, we discovered this. Let me remind you what we read together and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in Jesus with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Every single Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Elsewhere it teaches us in God's word, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have received from God. So the Holy Spirit inhabits the life of every believer. But the need to be filled is a present command. Many of you know this. I'm just reminding you what you already know. The need to be filled is not a one-off thing. It is a present command. It's an ongoing process, and that is a critical thing to understand. Now, sometimes you will hear people talk about the need to be filled on an ongoing basis because the sad fact is we leak. Okay, how many people have heard that kind of talked about before? Yeah, quite a number of people. And and it's okay, it's not not an unhelpful picture image necessarily. I'm not entirely sure it's completely biblical. Okay, because as I understand it, what it's really referring to is this ongoing and pressing need to be increasingly influenced and under the influence of the Holy Spirit, which is why Paul sets this idea in direct contrast to being under the influence of excessive alcohol. That's what it means to be filled, to be increasingly under the influence of the one who lives in you. So he is to be the wind in our sails. He is to be the one leading and directing. He is to be the one guiding and empowering. And his increasing influence will lead to, for example, the greater production of fruit in your life. So whenever you are under a greater influence, whenever you are being more and more filled with the Holy Spirit, you will produce love. Or he will produce in your life love and joy, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. So if you are being increasingly filled with the Holy Spirit, increasingly under his influence, you will be a person who is more loving now than you used to be. More joyful, more patient, more kind, more good, more faithful, more self-controlled. And if you're not, if you're not then you need to be filled, refilled, freshly filled, whatever language you want to use, with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is urging Christians to be filled, to yield their lives to the Spirit's influence on on an ongoing, regular, consistent basis. You see, in Romans 8, Paul writes that those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit. How have you been led by the Spirit this week? Elsewhere, Paul talks about keeping in step with the Spirit. And so for me, that is only possible whenever we're being filled. Whenever we are increasingly under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we are keeping in step with Him. And if this morning you recognize, you sense that you're out of step, that you're not being adequately influenced or led by the Holy Spirit, if this morning you recognize that the fruit production is poor, that the gifting is uncertain, that maybe you have grieved or you are grieving the Holy Spirit by some of the things that you've put on during the past 24 hours, the past week, then let me encourage you to ask God, please, can I urge you, ask God for a refill. For a fresh fill. For a greater influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And why not ask for it this morning? Last week, make the best use of time. Make the most of every opportunity, says Paul. Now is an opportunity. Now is a chance for every single one of us this morning to say, God, I need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I need him to have a greater influence in my life. In the words I speak, the choices I make, and the decisions I take, and how I act and how I behave. Why not ask for it today? By the way, as most of you know and Richard said, we have started this new Sunday evening teaching series on the Holy Spirit. And tonight, I'm going to continue to share 20 things that every Christian should know about the Holy Spirit. So if you want to come back tonight, please do. But back to this text for this morning, because the sentence about being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't end with that instruction. It continues. Look at verse 19. It says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There are two ways you can read this section. Again, some of you will know this. There's two ways you can read this section. The first is you can read this, that the result of being filled with the Spirit is song worship, thanksgiving submission. That, that's the result of being filled with spirit. That's not a bad way to look at this section. That's an okay way to look at this section. The other possibility, and I'm going to go with this one as we close this morning. The other way is that this is also how you are filled and increasingly filled with the Holy Spirit. So it can be read, be filled with the Holy Spirit by means of song worship, thanksgiving, and Submission. So let me break that down, take each and turn as we close. You are filled with the Holy Spirit via speaking to one another with spiritual songs, hymns and songs, and by singing and expressing your psalms in your heart to the Lord. And so what Paul is saying here, do you know how you can be filled with the Holy Spirit? You're filled with the Holy Spirit whenever you sing your hearts out. And so the value of corporate worship is highlighted and stressed here. Paul is clearly referring to people coming together. This is so important. He is clearly referring to people coming together to sing and to worship. We do this, says Paul, to one another. Now, I fully recognize, I fully appreciate that the primary recipient of our worship is and should be God. But you know something, there is a horizontal as well as a vertical dimension to this. It's as we sing together, it's as we join our voices in praising God that we encourage, we strengthen, we bless one another. And so do you know what I want to do this morning? I actually want to challenge something I've often said. I am known to be wrong. And so I'm going to challenge something I've often said. Because I've often said that our worship is for an audience of one. Ultimately it is, but there is also something incredibly important about addressing one another in sung worship. We have got to verbalize our praise to one another. So let's choose to sing even if we don't like the musical form. The key issue here is that it's got to come, and this this is, it's got to come, says Paul, from your heart. You see, if your heart's not in it, your voice has little or no chance. And so Jesus on one occasion made the point that it's out of the heart the mouth speaks. I want to say, and I don't think I'm pushing this too far, it's out of the heart the mouth sings. And if our hearts are right, if our hearts are full of praise, then we will sing, we should sing, even if we don't have a note in our head. Coming together and singing every Sunday or at any other time is vitally important. It's profoundly biblical and it's one of the ways we are filled and we are increasingly influenced by the Holy Spirit. We're not just here for a sing song. We're here joining our voices together out of hearts full of praise. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to our God and to one another. The second means is via thanksgiving. Be filled, says verse 20, by always giving thanks for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God the Father. Do you know something? Constant gratitude to the Father for all that he has done in and through Jesus as we have been remembering this this morning should be a defining characteristic of every believer. Constant gratitude to the Father for what he has done for us in and through Jesus should be a defining characteristic of every believer. And it's how we're filled. Do you know, ingratitude or a tendency to complain and voice off contradicts the idea of always and for everything. Paul says, always and for everything. Be thankful. Do you see if we want to be filled? If we, want to have a, if we want the Holy Spirit to have a greater influence in our lives, then we need to take on board Paul's instructions and learn to be grateful. And finally, we are filled by submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Really interesting the way that, that verse ends. So this is about reverence. This is about respect. how we treat one another in Christian community is a core discipleship issue. Right back at the beginning of this teaching section, chapter two, verse four, we read, be completely humble and gentle, be patient and bear with one another in love. Be completely humble with one another. Be gentle with one another. Bear with one another. And here Paul develops and he adds to this by commending an attitude of mutual submission where Christians humbly consider others better than themselves. Where Christians say, Do you know something? I'm gonna put you first, not me. That is biblical submission. You first. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. That is how you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Need to finish. The guys want to come back. So, what I've done this morning is I've given you one more don't, and I've given you four more do's. Don't get drunk because it's unwise. It's devoid of virtue. It's wasteful. It's your choice. Paul says don't do it. Do be filled. And keep being filled. With the Holy Spirit. Do sing. Sing from the heart. Sing your hearts out. Do give thanks. Always. And for everything. And do submit to one another. And in addition. You want to be filled? You want the Spirit of God to have a greater influence in your life? Then here's how. You sing. You give thanks. You submit. And so we're going to close with sung worship. And it's a sung prayer. And so as I said earlier, if you recognize your need this morning for a fresh filling for the greater influence of the Holy Spirit in your life, then I'm going to invite you to use this time and use these words to ask for it. And remember what Jesus said. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it? They ask for Him. And so this morning, I invite you to ask your Father, as His beloved children, for more. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh in me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh in me Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh in me. I'm gonna encourage us to remain seated for the first time. We'll stand for the second time. If you wanna do something with your posture to indicate God, I'm open. I want, Holy Spirit, I want you to come. I want you to fill me again. By all means, you do that. Whatever that looks like for you is absolutely fine. But above all, can I urge you be increasingly filled with the Spirit of God who lives in you, the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. Let's sing together.